Would you open God's Word to Ephesians 1? We're going to be reading verses 3 to 14. It's on page 976 in your Pew Bible. 976. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were in the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Wow, we... um I was with a small group uh, before our worship service, and we were looking at that passage together. And I have to confess to you that that Paul's um, smallest thoughts are greater than my largest thoughts, and and that boy could could write a sentence, amen. And and in fact, I think that entire passage was just a couple of sentences that Christian Kristen just read for us. And I have to tell you that, that, that um, there's a part of me that when I get so much truth in one place, I just kind of shut down. And, uh, and I, and I kind of close my mind because I'm going, um, God, I can't even begin to wrap my brain around this mystery. And, and Paul used that word here. There's, there's a mystery, not a mystery as, as in whodunit. I love whodunits, by the way. And we know whodunit, right? God is large and in charge. God is sovereign over every aspect of our lives. There's no mystery about who is the prime mover in our world. The mystery really is in what is he doing, right? What is he doing? And, and I have to confess that, that um, I get overwhelmed when I try and wrap my brain around what God is doing, even in our midst. It reminds me a lot of 
Um, uh, when I first came here, we took several wild caving adventures. And outside of Bedford, I mean, wild caves, not like the caving companies and those kinds of things. But you just kind of go into a culvert and you get into these dark places. And, and believe it or not, in those days, I mean, it was 20 years ago, we actually used those old miners' helmets with the burning, whatever that was. And, um, and, and at one point, deep in the cave... Um, we turned those lights out. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation of total darkness. Um, just a moment before, I'd been nervous because I, I, I had, this is a wild cave, and how do you know where this next turn goes? Um, and, and I was a little nervous about it anyway, but when they turned those lights off, um, I got really nervous, especially since I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to turn them back on. And, and it was so dark. I mean, there was no source of light. It was so dark you could not see. I mean, that phrase comes from that. You could not see your hand in front of your face. And it just struck me as, as I was preparing this week, um, a lot of us are spiritually walking in darkness. Um, we're, many of us have entrusted our lives to Christ, but we still cannot yet see what God is doing. Some of you this week are experiencing things and you trust that God exists. You believe that he loves you, but, but it's so hard to understand what he's doing. I'm so excited to be able to explore this book of Ephesians with you because I think that God wants us to know. Oh, he's going to speak of mysteries throughout the whole book things that we have not yet been revealed. But in the Bible, whenever you encounter mystery in the Bible, it's because God wants you to understand it. He wants you, before it's over, to be able to, to wrap your brain around what he's doing. I'm going to go one step further. The reason he wants you to understand it is because he wants to invite you into it. He wants you to partner with him in his purposes. But wow, it can be so overwhelming initially when we, um, when we first try and understand it. So, so let's ask God to help us. Can we do that? And, and let's dig in. And we'll probably raise more questions than we answer. But as you go after those questions, don't ever fear questioning God, right? Um, doubt and questions are not the same thing. Disciples question. Disciples say, help me understand, God. I want to know you. I want to know the power, as Paul himself put it, of your resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in your sufferings. I want to know you. Let's, let's, let's find in God's word the, the answers to our questions. God, thank you for your word. It never returns to you void. I believe today, God, that you're going to reveal things to us that will be transformative. Today, you're going to reveal to us a little more of yourself. Oh, we love you. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, God, would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, do you still have your, your Bibles open? Uh, I want to encourage you to keep them open. Uh, uh, many of you are using tablets or phones. Um, pop them over to Ephesians. And let's unpack this amazing long sentences of, 
of the Apostle Paul together and, and, and trust that God is going to reveal himself to us. Last week, I, um, I introduced um, the book of Ephesians to you. And the reason, the way that we did that was by going to a prayer in the last part of 15. I wanted you to see uh, Paul's heart for you. But you might remember that I also said that in the first part of, of chapter 1 of Ephesians, God reveals to us, and, and I made some amazing promises He reveals to us His sacred purpose. His sacred, His holy purposes, right? Wow. And let me just start by saying you exist for a sacred purpose. God didn't just create the world and then let it go. A lot of people kind of live that way functionally. It's called deism, that God just created the world and and said, hope this works out okay, right? A lot of our founding fathers of our nation were deists in that thing. That God started this and then, and then stepped away from it. We believe that God is still intimately involved in it and that he is inviting you into that sacred purpose as well. And we kind of, we kind of set the table. I just reminded you of what we talked about last week for this first chapter that, that in this first chapter, there's going to be a symphony of praise for Christ. And, and some of us, that's all we need today. Our hearts need to worship and we need to see how Christ plays such a critical part of God's sacred purpose. And, and that will be a blessing to you if you can capture that from God's word today. But for some of us also, there is in these few verses, verses 3 to 14, there is in these few verses a summary of our place in Christ. And I put it in Christ in parentheses or in uh, quotation marks there because Paul uses that term in one form or another. I think we counted nine times in these few verses. He wants you to understand where you fit in in Christ. And, and we'll try and unpack that. And I'm going to actually invite you to experience that with me today. But then, but then in this amazing revelation, uh, I believe in this first chapter, he's going to give us the secret of God's plan for creation. I, I teased you with that last week. You, know, you can go to your co-workers at the... At the a water cooler and, and, and say, I know the secret of God's plan for creation, right? And then when they come at you and say, stick out your arms with that white jacket, just be real careful. Don't do it, okay? But Paul, Paul says that he's going to give us that secret here today. He's going to speak to you that. Wow, let's dig in. I want to suggest to you that what I needed most in that cave outside of Bedford, Indiana, When all was dark around me, what I needed most right then was, guess what, light, right? I needed illumination. And all around you are people walking in darkness. Should some of you are hearing a Christmas verse from that, from Isaiah. The people are are walking in darkness, but to them God has given a great light. And I want to suggest to you that, that in our passage today, the big pieces are that that God is inviting you to illuminate or shine light on this mystery of His calling. 
Okay? And then later we're going to, we're going to, God's going to ask you to shine light on the mystery of His Christ. And, and then still later I'm going to, I'm going to tease you with the rest of Ephesians and suggest to you that God is inviting you to shine light on the mystery of His church. Of His church. On this church, His church, right? So let's go there together. How, how can we shine light on the mystery of God's calling? Did you hear it as, as Kristen uh, shared God's word? It begins powerfully. It begins powerfully. If I could find it, it would help me. In, in chapter 1, blessed or, or kissed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Already two persons of the Trinity right there. Who has blessed us in Christ. And, and so it sounds like a circular here, but he says, I, I bless you, God. And that's mind-blowing enough in itself. I bless you, God, because you have blessed me in Christ. You have blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you understand the impact of that? We were seen all morning, God, you're enough, Right? He is, and He has given that to you. God is giving to us His saints, His church, people who put their weight down on Jesus Christ. He's given us not one or two, not some, but every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms right now. He's giving that to us. Wow, wow. What are some of these blessings? You and many of you unpack them in your small groups this week. Uh, some of you this morning even unpack these things. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He is all we need. Christ is all we need. But what are those blessings? He has chosen us. In, in I'm reading now the ESV. Uh, he has elected us in Christ that we should be holy and blameless. So the first blessing is that God chose you. God chose you. As we'll see as as we continue here, um, a lot of us in our culture think that, well, I chose Jesus. And we even announce that to other people. "I, I chose Jesus. I want you to know that I'm choosing to be a Christ one. I'm choosing Jesus to be Lord of my life. Guess what? Jesus is Lord of your life, whether you choose him or not. The emphasis in God's blessing of you is that before you were ever aware, in fact, he says, before, I've got to breathe, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. Wow. Now, now watch here, because there's several of these in Christ right here. He chose you in Christ, right? He chose you in Christ. Christ. But even as Jesus said it himself, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, right? And appointed you. I'm the one that gives your life meaning and purpose. I know we're, we're skating over deep concepts, but before even the world was created, God knew you. God chose you. He set you apart to be holy and blameless. 
So, I'm not particularly holy, and I'm certainly not blameless. Does that mean that I'm not chosen? Do not miss the words in Christ, right? There is nothing about me, nothing, that makes me holy in God's eyes. There is nothing about me that is blameless. I'm like you, a beggar who's just found a source of life. I found one who is worthy of my worship. I found one who is, uh, who is all the things that I'm not, who is holy and blameless. And God, through my faith in Him, has given me that holiness and blameless. Doesn't that rock your world? I mean, Trish, I don't know about you, but, but when I think about that myself, I kind of can't wrap my brain around that. But it's not about me. It's not about myself. It's about Him. It's about Him. In Him, right? So this, here's a blessing. This is yours. This is yours, beloved. In Christ, God has chosen you in Christ, right? He's setting you apart. That's holiness, right? And, and, and he's, he sees you as blameless, not because of what you have or haven't done, but because of what Christ has done. Well, how, does, how does this work? Well, before the foundation of the world, God, here's a long word and a scary word for many of you, but God predestined you for something. He predestined you. What was it that he predestined you for? I don't there's a couple maybe in the room, but most of us are not we're not born into God's people, right? In God's sovereign love, he chose one people out of all the peoples of the earth. And not, not the most powerful, not the most beautiful. In fact, they had many problems, but he chose a people to be his. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them by birth. I've been, I've been to their homeland. I, I, I know many of them, some of whom don't know him. I know the chosen people, but I'm not one of them. How in the world can I become one of them? Because God set apart a destiny for me that I would be a jersey to him. I would, I would be adopted into his family. That I'd be held in his arms. You want to cry all afternoon? And I'm not just talking to the women here, guys. I'm talking to you too. You want to cry all afternoon? Just Google Adoption stories on on the internet. I did uh, about five days ago, and I could only do it for about ten minutes because all the things that many of us take for granted, those who are adopted into families don't take for granted. The older they get, the less they take that for granted. And to find a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old who's told for the very first time that they're adopted into someone's forever family, that's pretty powerful stuff. It's pretty powerful stuff. And God is saying to you, you weren't mine originally, But before the foundation of the world, I set you apart 
to be in my forever family. That's pretty powerful. So, so we have every spiritual blessing. One of those blessings is that he chose us before the foundation of the world to know him. But he also adopted us into his family, right? He, he predestined us for adoption into his forever family. How did he do that? How did he choose us? He adopted us, right? How did he, how did he adopt us? He did it by redeeming us through the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood or the death of Jesus Christ in verse 7. Um, I'm going to really significantly date myself. Um, how many of you remember blue chip stamps? You remember that, a couple of you? Okay, you just dated yourself, by the way, too. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's go further. How many of you remember S&H green stamps, Okay. See, look, look how brave you are. You saw some people raised for blue chips, right? What was the nature of that? What did you do? Do you remember that? You bought something, and as an incentive to buy something, they've gotten a little more sophisticated since then, but as an incentive to buy, they actually gave you, some of you don't know what we're talking about, they gave you, and they were literal stamps, weren't they? And you had a little booklet, right? And, and what did you do with that booklet? You stuck those stamps in those booklets, right? And you waited, right? Until you had enough for the toaster, right? And when you had enough for the toaster, you took your, your S&H green stamps or your blue chip stamps and you went down there. Remember toaster ovens? Ooh, those were really big for a while, right? And, and you redeemed the stamps, right? You turned them in and something else was substituted for you. I said earlier that I'm broken and, and, and sinful, not holy, not blameless, right? I need redemption. Jesus offered himself. I'm not trying to equate him with an S.H. green stamp, but he offered the only thing that was worthy, the only thing that could win me the prize of relationship with God. He offered himself in my place. He cashed Himself in. Boy, I'm sticking myself way down this rabbit hole. But he, he turned himself in a worthy offering on my behalf. When it says blood, there's nothing particular about his blood other than, as we learn in Hebrews, that blood represents the life, right? And there is no forgiveness of sins. The author of the book Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood. The wages of sin is death And God in his justice demands that death. And Jesus, his only begotten son, offered himself in that place so that all who by faith believe in him could be redeemed. Oh, there's a a spiritual blessing, right? I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm redeemed, not by any merit of my own, by the riches of His grace, which Paul says He just lavishes on us, right? We don't deserve it. He just lavishes on us. Why? Because He understands this dynamic. And I'm, I'm not yet a grandparent. I'm hoping to be really soon. But I've watched grandparents, right? I've learned from you. And what do grandparents do? The word you might use is spoil, right? The word that, that Paul would use is lavish upon someone, And God lavishes grace 
on you. In all wisdom and insight, he knows what you really need is not judgment or condemnation. What you need is grace. That grace is yours through the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's not done yet. He's still opening the floodgates of these spiritual blessings, right? Not only has he chosen us and predestined us for adoption and redeemed us by his blood, but God has also made known to us the mystery of his will, right? According to his purpose, according to his plan for the fullness of time. I promised you at the beginning of this that you would know the secret of God's plan for creation. What is that secret? I'm looking over there at Ted because Ted identified it earlier today. God's plan for the fullness of time, are you ready for this? Verse 10, is to unite all things in Christ. Look at this, not just things on earth. That would be a miracle, wouldn't it? All by itself. That God would unite just the people in this room under one one thing. God would bring unity and just the number of people in this room would be a miracle. Right? And how are we going to do it? Are we going to do it by politics? No. Do we have differences in politics in the room? Oh, yes. Right? Are we going to do it by gender? Are we going to do it by theology even? No. We're all coming from different places. There's only one thing that can unite all of us, and it's not in us. The one thing that can unite us is if we all point toward The same thing. The same thing. Jesus Christ, right? And and as we grow closer to Christ, guess what? We also draw closer to each other. Oh, is it a step of faith? Absolutely, right? That he exists is a place where some of you are. That, that, That he ever existed and that he exists today, I understand. That's That's a big step of faith. God in his wisdom set out one who is worthy of uniting ourselves around and invites us to draw near to him, right? And as we draw near to him, we draw near to one another. And little by little, all those other things that are so unworthy of our attention fall away in the light of his glory. God is calling you to amazing meaning and purpose. I had not originally planned to go uh, um, any further in the scripture than verse 10, so your notes don't have it, but we won't have a chance to come back next week. There is one more um, amazing spiritual blessing beginning in 11, and that is that we have obtained an inheritance, right? Having been predestined according to God's purpose, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We have been predestined for an inheritance. As we saw last week, that inheritance is not just our salvation. That would be plenty. That would be enough. But that inheritance is the family of God which is surrounding us right now. This letter is not addressed to Dave. This letter is addressed to the saints who are in Christ Jesus throughout the earth. 
And a part of his blessing is sitting next to you in, in the pews. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to get all touchy-feely and all that. Yes. Yes. Everything you need, you have in Christ. But Christ, in his wisdom, gave you Christians, Christ ones with flesh on, to reveal those things to you. I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. But the world doesn't understand this. And honestly, a lot of people who call themselves Christians don't understand this. Your, your inheritance, is, the vision of your inheritance is just for your own salvation. And I have to be honest with you. When I accepted Christ as my Savior, not understanding a lot of the things that we're talking about today, it was for my salvation. But Christ is asking us to broaden our vision now to not just ourselves, but to all the world, all of those who have chosen him, but far beyond that, to those who don't yet know him and to find our meaning and purpose in in shining light, in illuminating the darkness. Right? And so, so the first thing that I want you to understand, I'm just taking them in order that he gives them here, is, is that... God wants to illuminate the mystery of his calling in you. He is calling you to something. But over and over again, we've seen that this calling is nestled in something else. It's nestled in this other mystery, which is his Christ. Christ is literally just the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. That God has made one who is worthy and God is going to unite all things in heaven and on earth in Christ. So what in the world does it mean to be in Christ? I, I thought I knew what it meant for me to have Christ in me, right? And, and Paul uses these words interchangeably. There was a, there was a time when, when, when I was empty, desperately needing something to fill me, right? And I encountered a, a, a group of people. It happened to be a group of high schoolers and middle schoolers. And, and, and i never seen love like they experienced. And so I began to tag around with them for quite a while. And, and they just assumed I knew where that love was coming from, but I didn't. And finally, they shared with me that the reason that they loved one another is because there was an emptiness in them, but they had trusted Jesus Christ, and Christ was in them, right? And, and, and I said, I've got to have some of that. And and on August 23rd, 1973, I invited Christ into my heart and thought, I am done. I'm I'm set. I'm set. And 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 if it was all about me, that would be true, right? That would be I'm, I'm not trying to belittle that. Please don't misunderstand me. Something changed in me. My eternity changed as a result. But but God had so much more. Think of all the blessings that I would have missed if I just thought about me, right? 
And, and, and then I start reading passages like, like Ephesians chapter 1, like Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, and I realize that he's not only inviting me to accept him in my life, but he's inviting me to nestle myself in him. Right? Remember this? Remember this? How long ago was that? Eight years ago. What started me thinking about this was I was looking in my office and I found the envelope which many of you had put your name on and nestled yourself in Jesus. But Paul tells us that Jesus is nestled in God, right? And there's a reason that I'm going through all this with you. I'll explain it in a second. But, but Jesus is nestled in God. Now let me, let me bring this home. If someone wants to go after you, they've got to go through God, they've got to go through Jesus, right? And, and if they get to you somehow through God's sovereign intervention, guess what they find? There's a mystery here that is yours. That God loves you so much that he gave you Jesus. That if you would find your identity, here's the word again, in Christ. That if you would find your identity in Christ, then He would hide you in the shadow of His wings. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit is a powerful player in this whole thing. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would all surround you and protect you. Let me, let me just press pause for a second. Those of you who explored with us our understanding of the Great Commission, right? Uh, where we were charged with, with making disciples of all the nations, immersing them, hello, immersing them, nestling them in, help me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you see where our calling Individually, and our calling in life has come together. I want to invite you to remember your calling today. If God would allow, and there's no pressure, and everyone's different, and you're all at different places, but if God would allow, I want to invite you to symbolically remember your calling And if you're at that place where you've never done that, where you have never said, um, Jesus, I want to hide myself in you. I know now why I exist. I was set apart before the foundation of the world to nestle myself in Christ. If you're there for the first time or if you today want to remember that, I want to invite you. I'm making this up as I go along here to come up and put your name on an envelope and, and to take a card that says Jesus on it and to nestle that card in your envelope. I know it's just an exercise, but sometimes we act our way into a new way of thinking. I want you, if God would allow to represent that amazing experience or for some of you for the first time 
to trust that Jesus is enough. And after you put your name on your envelope, after you put Jesus symbolically in your envelope, I'd like to invite you to place that envelope in the larger Jesus envelope as well. We didn't plan for this, but Beth, I wonder if you would just bless us by um, going to the piano just so we have a little bit of um, musical privacy. We're, just, we're not going to take a lot of time for this. We don't have a lot of time. But I got a lot of markers and, and I got a lot of envelopes. And if God would allow you, um, I invite you to remember, remember that experience today. Would you do that? Someone's going to have to be courageous and, and start us. The church is the people of God saved, not in and of themselves, but by the power of God for the purposes of God. Can I say that again? It's the people of God saved by the power of God. We could not do this ourselves for the purposes of God. And all the people of God on an everyday mission to fill everything, everywhere with the fullness of Jesus. Now be filled, beloved, with the power of His Holy Spirit. Be, with, be filled with the very presence, not of a little card with Jesus' name on it, but Jesus Himself. And then go out into the world, to every nook and cranny, to every faraway place. And, and Jake and Hannah, if you're listening on, on the internet and... and uh, our missionaries in Japan, their names are escaping me for some reason. Yeah, the Radkeys, if you're listening, mom and dad, if you're listening in Southern California, go into every nook and cranny with the fullness that is yours in Jesus Christ. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you that nothing can take us away from the love of Christ, love of God for us in Christ Jesus And thank you, though, this is just an exercise. Thank you that you envelop us in your love, Jesus. Thank you that that you have become for us, God. You have become for us our living hope. And, And God, we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear tomorrow. Because you are already there. So, God, we rejoice not in anything of our own strength, but in what we can be through Jesus Christ. And we ask you, no, we beg you, God, glorify yourself Mm -hmm. through us. Mm -hmm. God, we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory. In Christ's precious name.